I never thought my job as a park ranger would take me to such remote wilderness areas. It was beautiful, sure, but it was also a bit eerie being so far away from civilization. I tried to shake off the feeling, but as the days passed, strange occurrences kept happening that made me feel like I was being watched. The first incident occurred on the third day of my stay. As I was walking along the trail, I heard footsteps behind me. I turned around, but no one was there. I brushed it off as my imagination and continued on my way. The second incident was a bit more disturbing. When I returned to my cabin, I noticed that my supplies had been disturbed. My heart raced as I wondered if someone had been there while I was out. The third day was when things really started to get weird. As I was walking to check on some of the campgrounds, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. It was a large, dark figure, lurking in the shadows. I couldn't make out what it was, but I had the distinct feeling that it was watching me. My instincts told me to run, but I forced myself to stay calm and focused. As the days went on, the feeling of being watched grew stronger. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being stalked by some unknown predator. I became more and more vigilant, always checking my surroundings and keeping my guard up. The nights were the worst. The sounds of the wilderness seemed amplified, and every rustling of leaves or snapping of a twig sent my heart racing. It was on the seventh day that things took a turn for the worse. I was out on patrol, checking the perimeter of the campground when I heard a growl. It was unlike anything I had ever heard before, deep and menacing. I tried to see where it was coming from, but it was too dark to make out anything. As I started to make my way back to my cabin, I felt something brush past me. I spun around, but there was nothing there. That's when I realized that whatever was stalking me was getting closer. I quickened my pace, trying to stay calm, but my heart was pounding in my chest. That's when I heard it. A low, guttural crawl, much closer this time. I turned around and saw it. The predator that had been stalking me was right in front of me, its eyes glowing in the darkness. It was massive, with a thick, muscular body and razor-sharp claws. I knew I was in trouble. I tried to run, but it was too fast. It tackled me to the ground, pinning me with its weight. I struggled and fought, but it was too strong. As quickly as it had appeared, it was gone, disappearing back into the wilderness. I lay there, confused and disoriented. What was that thing? How had it been stalking me all this time without me noticing? I knew I had to get out of there, but my body was bruised and battered. I managed to drag myself back to my cabin, and from there, I called for help. It took a while, but eventually, a rescue team arrived. They were baffled by my story, but I knew what I had seen. I had been stalked by an unknown predator, something that shouldn't exist in this world. Even now, years later, I still shudder when I think about that night. I may never know what that creature was, but one thing is for sure I'll never forget the feeling of being hunted, with no one around to help. On October 22, 2003, I was driving home with my younger brother and my friend. My brother was asleep in the back of my car, and my friend was sitting in the passenger seat next to me. We were driving along, and we always keep both on eyes on the road. She spotted some eyes on the road, and called out deer. I slowed down, because it's well known that deer are a bit crazy, and do jump out in front of cars. The thing about this experience was that it was quite odd. 
The animal was moving at an incredible speed, about the rate of a car going 5 to 10 miles per hour. We figured that if it was a deer, then it would be moving up and down, because they gallop, or jump, when moving at fast rates. This animal was moving at a steady rate, not moving up or down, there was also an odd smell in the air, much like a mix between rotting timber and dead animal. Another thing about the night was that it was decently lit by the moonlight. And I had my bright lights on. If it had been a deer or elk, I would have seen the light brown fur that they have, or a rack of antlers. None of these variables were present. Only a dark figure, and a set of eyes. I don't know what to make of this, but I thought coming here and asking for your guys' opinion on this would help because I'm honestly terrified. I'm not giving any names because I don't know if it was a skinwalker or not. I'll keep this as short as possible because I'm at work right now and don't have a lot of time. So four days ago, I went to a bonfire with a couple of my coworkers. It wasn't huge, just a small get-together with about seven people there. I knew everyone there, and for the first hour it was super fun. Now this place was out in the woods, barely got any reception. We were about a mile away from civilization, so if anything were to happen it would be pretty hard to get help. I live in Utah too, and there's not a lot of traffic around where I live so there wouldn't be many cars. There was only one person there I didn't know, but I just assumed he was one of my coworkers' friends so I didn't think anything of it. He was a tall skinny white dude, had black hair and blue eyes, now I don't want to be that guy but he was also pretty ugly. He was very distant, barely talked and kept to himself, which at first I didn't find odd. As this thing went along, I noticed he would stare at people for random every now and then, and this was when he felt a little off to me. Before asking anyone who he was, I started to observe him. His movements were very odd. I don't know how to explain, but the way he moved was very strange, he walked super strangely and moved his head and neck weirdly. This made me paranoid and ask all my coworkers if they know him. One by one I asked and each person said no, all saying they thought he was someone else's friends. This was it for me, something told me to get out of there now. I went to all of my coworkers and told them everything and they all agreed to leave and go to another coworkers of mine home. We all packed our stuff up and loaded it into the car, acting like we were done for the night. He didn't get into any car, he just stood near the woods and waved goodbye. As we drove off, I was with my colleague and when we looked back, he was gone. It was an instant too, but that's not the only scary thing. My car window was recently broken so I didn't have a window up, so I could hear everything outside basically. On our way to my place, every now and then I would hear something that sounded like someone screaming, and I swear that one time someone called my name. This just made me super scared, and instead of joking about the situation me and my friend were terrified. We kept hearing these noises, whines, a dog barking, a horse, someone screaming, people calling my name, and wolves howling. Something in me told me that something was making these noises to lure me into the woods, and luckily it didn't lure any of my friends into it. As we were leaving the gravel road and moving onto the main road, we looked back into the woods. I was behind all the other cars so I got a very good view of something, I don't know what, running way faster than any human should run across the gravel road. It was tall, skinny, and it looked really pale. I booked it at that point, driving past all of other coworkers' cars. My friend in the passenger seat asked what was wrong, I couldn't speak though, it was like I was so terrified I just wasn't paying attention. 
I just drove and I almost drove into the woods at one point. I only snapped out of it when one of my friends called asking what the hell was wrong and what happened. I lied and told him everything was fine. He didn't believe me though and kept pushing but I kept lying. He eventually gave up and told me he would see me at my house. This made me terrified to go near any woods and even scared to leave my house at some points. I'm terrified and I think if my instincts wouldn't have kicked in and told me to leave then I truly believe someone at that bonfire would have died. took my research team up to Odell Lake for a trial run with them. Found several trees that have been twisted and snapped, fresh green, 9 feet area, several logs been torn apart looking for termites no doubt, but no visible claw marks like a bear's. Heard young boyfriend calling for mama I think, no more than 50 yards from us. Had newbies that got scared and left before mama kicked our butts. We'll be going down to a hunting area Myrtle Beach area, my witness hunted there since child with grandpa, buddies and him scared off by four individual screamers. One scream shook the car's windows. They left and never went back. We'll report back if I find anything good. I want to preface this by saying I know what I saw wasn't a skinwalker, but this is the most helpful supernatural threat I've seen. I've scoured multiple places on the internet and I still haven't figured out what I saw. The door to my bathroom is at the end of my hallway so there's no possible way someone could have walked by, looked in and then walked away coming from the right of the door. Anyway, I was in the bath and all the lights were off save for the candle I had lit on the counter. I happened to look back down the hall and in the right hand corner a pale white, bald being looking at me. It had to be at least 9 feet tall because my ceiling is 8 feet and it looked hunched over and was staring at me with its neck bent almost upside down. It looked kinda like Voldemort from Harry Potter, but tall and skinny. It was obviously gone when I looked back, but I haven't been able to figure out what it was. My partner suggested it was just a 9 feet tall ghost, haha, but I don't think so. Any help or what direction to look in would be appreciated. I work night shift. Three days ago I came home, took my shower and was sitting on the couch. I had a box fan in the downstairs window blowing cold air in. I live by an old cemetery in a small village next to a national park. I first teag something was wrong when the cats in the house were panic walking back and forth by the wall that's facing the cemetery. I watched them for a minute and I heard what sounded like crying coming from the cemetery area and a soft help me. I sat there and listened and heard it again a minute later. I quickly took the fan out of the window and closed and locked it and made everything else was locked. The past few days since then I've been feeling like I'm being watched. When I got home yesterday wires were ringing the loudest I've ever heard it and I heard a soft sob again. I waited in my vehicle for 5 minutes then walked to the door that's 10 feet away. While I was opening the door I thought saw something out of the corner of my eye so I hurried up and closed the door behind me quickly and locked it. Once I was inside the ringing immediately went away but my cats were moving in a panic manner again. I didn't know until recently that you aren't supposed to say the names out loud as it draws their attention as does whistling at night. This is in Northeast Ohio. Last night I had a dream about a skinwalker. I know what a skinwalker is, what it looks like, and some of the legends and stories. 
I am native Alaskan and we have a similar story about the Kushtaka. But in this dream, I am certain it was a skinwalker. In the dream, I'm trying to put my almost two-year-old daughter to sleep. The room is dark with a window on the opposite wall from where we are laying. The light switch is within arm's reach. My daughter is very restless and asking me to turn on the light. She's tossing and turning and crawling all over me, as toddlers do. But as the dream progresses she's more and more insistent that I turn on the light. She begins to throw herself into a tantrum, so finally I turn on the light while still laying in bed. I immediately notice something outside the window and there it is. Right outside the window, it had the face and fur of a coyote but its legs were way too long. Its paws had long protruding claws and it was standing on its hind legs. In its mouth and his front two claws, it held a half-eaten human baby. I began to screaming in the dream and woke up screaming as well. When I opened my eyes and began to wake up, I couldn't move my body for several minutes. The reason why I think this could be a bad omen, or even a death omen, is because I am 10 weeks pregnant. The pregnancy is going well so far, but I have never had a dream that has been that vivid or that has scared me that much. I feel that it was a very clear message. But I would like some other opinions. What does it mean? I've camped all over the country in a lot of the biggest national parks. Places like Yellowstone where there are no humans for tens or twenties of miles if not a solid thirty or more miles, and if something happened to you you're pretty much ruined and you will die. We decided to do a quick overnight camp in the woods at least ten or fifteen miles away from any towns or cabins deep in the woods while visiting Two Harbors, Minnesota. We drove way the F out into the woods in the Boundary Waters area where there are roads on maps but it's really two depression tracks in their ground like parallel goat trails made from four times force driving through the woods over the years. This was in the fall just as leaves started to change and some had fallen but maybe half were still on the branches. The only way we knew where we were going was by GPS and the goat tracks. We finally got lost and the branches of trees had canopied over the trail and weeds were whacking the side of my jeep as we kept driving enjoying not being in a normal place. We found a space barely open enough to walk around the jeep but not really big enough for a tent but I was sick of driving. I shut the engine off and we retreated to the sounds of nothing but nature and it was clear there were no humans for a very long ways away. Just the wind and occasionally a crow. That's it. We decided to camp there in the jeep because there wasn't enough of a clearing to put the tent out. It was a beautiful afternoon and then evening and we used a small propane tank grill to make dinner and late afternoon coffee. After dark it got cold so we hopped in the jeep and zipped up for the evening. Sometime around 3am, I woke up from a noise. I couldn't quite tell if I dreamt it or it was real. I sat up and could hardly see out of the jeep windows and it had grown much colder than when we went to bed. The windows were frosted about halfway up in an irregular jagged pattern. I sat up for maybe 10 minutes and since the noise was gone I figured we were good to go back to sleep or I was anyways. My wife never woke up. I checked the door locks and since they were unlocked I hit the lock button on my fob and went back to sleep. The next morning I woke up to my wife saying F. It snowed. A lot. She was looking out the top of the window from the back of the Cherokee where it wasn't frozen. I sat up and looked out the side window. It looked like we got a foot of snow. I wiggled out of the sleeping bag and opened the door and saw the snow was indeed about a foot deep. 
I could clearly see this because there were boot footprints in the snow. I was confused at first and wondered WTF they came from then remember the noise. I closed the door and told my wife what happened. She said, F, I've got to pee. Go check it out so I can pee. So I dug my boots out of the footwell, put them on and hopped out. It had stopped snowing a couple times. The boot prints circled around the jeep and clearly stopped to look in the windows. They appeared to come from behind us and continued forever down the path ahead of us without circling back. I walked a bit in both directions before my wife shouted to not go that far away and could she take a piss. From out the cracked door. I shouted yeah and she did. I don't know why but I was surprised to find no other animal tracks, car tracks, horse tracks, nothing just boot prints. I walked back to the jeep pissed off to the side myself and when the wife finished pissing I asked her if she was messing with me. She looked at me as if I was the stupidest person to have walked the face of the earth. No. Then she got in the jeep. I did too. The clock on the dash said it was 8.15 in the morning. I looked at my phone, charging from the plug on the dash and had no signal. I started the jeep and started the navigation on the dash and I said, let's get the F out of here. We sat there waiting forever for the GPS to activate on the navigation system. It wasn't so much that the thick overhead clouds were blocking the GPS it usually does okay with cloud cover. It was the fact that we had a billion trees leaning over the road like a heavy snow on canvas bouncing the GPS away combined with the weaker GPS signal from the clouds. At least that's what I thought. The map just did nothing and was blank. Eventually I set effort and put the jeep in four-wheel low, turned it around and followed the path of the boot prints that were behind because I couldn't see the twin goat tracks that made up the road the night before and it was hard to tell where the trail led other than the boot tracks. It was slow going because of the higher snow and the front of the jeep acted as a plow. Eventually the boot tracks faded away. I guessed it was because the boot track maker had been walking while it snowed and it stopped snowing halfway out to where we were in the woods which is why we could follow six or seven miles back through the woods. Sort of like driving backwards through time if you get my meaning. Anyways it meant he had started walking or continued to walk while it snowed in the darkest night in the woods in the middle of ducking nowhere before stumbling on our jeep. The GPS came back on not long after we got to the end of his trail as the canopy of trees got further back from the goat tracks and we were relieved to see the wooded goat trail became a gravel road not much further down the way. Plus it was much easier to drive. On the gravel road as there was already one set of tire tracks in the direction we were going. Still not sure how long the boot tracks stood outside the jeep watching us that night or if the noise was her slash him opening and closing the unlocked door or just walking around outside the jeep in the snow. That's the creepiest thing I've experienced. I love camping, the more remote, the better. One night I was camping in northwest Alabama near a small river but up on a hill away from the water. It was a nice level spot with a huge oak tree above and a thick layer of leaves below. I set up my tent and fixed a sandwich then settled in to watch the stars for a bit before falling asleep. The tent flap was zipped but it was a small tent so my head was up against the fabric on one side. I had carefully built a fire pit about 10 feet from the tent with a small fire that was gradually going down to ashes. I woke up with something trying to bite my head through the tent. Whatever it was clamped down just enough that I could feel the teeth as they raked across my skin. The tent fabric kept it from getting a good hold of me. 
Now I'm a person who reacts to danger by going all out aggressive so my response was to let out the deepest most guttural growl of my life. Whatever was noped out of there so fast it left skid marks in the leaves. I'm kind of glad it left as the only weapon I had was a kitchen knife. I got up and threw some wood on the remnants of the fire and stoked up a good blaze, then sat in the tent reading until dawn. My buddy's mom was hiking alone on a mountain trail in Utah. The way she tells it, she was coming around a bend in the woods when, ahead of her up a hill, she saw a girl sliding down the hill towards the trail. Before the girl reached the bottom she disappeared inexplicably. The girl never made any sound, but her facial expression made it look like she was screaming. This spooked my buddy's mom so she left. When she got home, she told my friend the story and they googled deaths in the area. They were going over headshots when she stopped him and pointed to a picture she swore was the girl from the trail. It linked to an article of a rock slide on the trail she was hiking two years earlier. I did something really creepy once. I rode dirt bikes a lot when growing up. One summer day I was riding alone, way out, 15 miles from civilization, and my chain broke. So I get to walk home 15 miles. All I'm wearing is jeans and boots, it's 95 degrees and I'm covered in sweat and dirt and look like I came out of a coal mine. After an hour of walking back, I'm at a point in the trail that crosses a shallow part of a large creek. Right in the middle of the creek a jeep is parked, a teenage couple were making out. This is the only way through. So I'm thinking walk for three more hours or... So I casually stroll up and said hey what's up. They were not expecting that. Oddly enough, after we talked they gave me a ride home. I felt bad because I'm pretty sure I torpedoed their date, plus I got mud slash sweat all over the back seat fabric of his brand new Jeep Wrangler. They were probably happy just to be alive though. Maybe they will post their version of they read this. So friend of mine and I spent an entire summer on a river in Tennessee. You go to the kayak rental place, rent a kayak, and you can spend your whole day going down this river if you don't paddle or anything and just let the current take you. Normally we tried to make it back before sundown but this time it kind of snuck up on us and the sun was beginning to set while we were out there. Both of us being pussies, we start paddling with everything we've got while it's getting darker when we spot this group of 5 to 6 little boys aged around 9 to 11, dressed in what we assume was like Boy Scout uniforms running along the riverbank. No adults in sight, we try calling to them, it's a wide river, we are on the opposite side, and they don't answer us. So we try steering our kayak a little closer, see if they're lost or something, and they look our way but don't reply. Once we got about 5 feet from the other bank, they bolt. All of them take off into the woods like something is chasing them. We hightail at the F out of there, arrive back to the campground right as it's getting dark, kids are nowhere. We ask around, nobody's kids are unaccounted for, nobody's seen these kids, everybody thinks we are crazy. We nope right the F out of that place. My little brother joined the Boy Scouts a few months later, realized that the uniforms those kids were wearing were older Scout uniforms, from like the 60s or 70s. A few years back I was in Costa Rica volunteering for a sea turtle conservative project way out in the middle of nowhere. We were on the coast, 
but we were probably 40 to 50 miles from the nearest village. Anyway, we collecting turtle eggs and reburying them in a protected part of the beach so poachers couldn't take them. The protected part of the beach was a few hundred yards from our camp and it had to be watched 24-7. One of the other volunteers and I were assigned the 1 a.m. to 7 a.m. shift. So it's about 2.45 a.m. and I'm sitting there in the jungle watching the protected R of the beach while reading Lord of the Rings, and all of a sudden a red dot pops up on my chest. Like the kind of dot you'd see if someone was pointing a laser at you. The other volunteer was asleep in the chair next to me. I looked around, sat perfectly still, and after about 30 seconds the dot disappeared and I never found out where it came from. Around the 29th of December 2022, I was traveling from Santa Barbara to a small town in the middle of Nevada, where I was going to stop and see if I could make it back to my house or if I should wait for the rest of the day. I would like to say, there was four people in our car, including me. Three-fourths of us saw this lady. She had a pale face, nearly white. She had scraggly black or brown hair going down past her shoulders. She also appeared to be wearing causal clothes that were clean. But weirdest of all, she had no face. I and everyone else who saw her are 100% sure she had no face. I think this was about 6-7 in the morning. The sun wasn't out yet. There was then some weird events in which road signs made no sense and were slowly becoming more and more common, to the point of seeing them every five feet. And the fog closing in. This might be related, yet might not. As I don't remember the road, I couldn't tell you if those signs were actually in our reality or not. I am sorry there isn't much detail. I am sure I didn't fall asleep, because I was very anxious and we were only a couple minutes from our Airbnb. I am from upstate New York in the Capo region. I was born here, but for the last few years I moved to Colorado. Just moved back in January. We've been seeing a lot of crazy ass since we moved back. I don't know where else to post this so I'm just gonna comment it here and see if anyone knows WTF my husband saw. So we live in an apartment complex in the middle of town. There's wood scattered around but it's a decently developed area, which is why it's weird. The buildings in the complex all surround this big field-like area, picnic tables, trees, it's not a dense amount of trees it's more like a park. This area is dark as fat night. Anyway husband took our dog, Lil Sheba, out one night around midnight, maybe later. He's gone forever, but I don't think much of it because sometimes he just gets excited and goes running with her because our dog is cute AF when she runs around. Anyway he comes back out of breath because yeah, they were running, but after something. The way he described it was small, larger than a cat but had cat-like ears, Scylla hat, and kind of fleshy looking with weird elbows that stuck out to the sides instead of inward like a hunched dog or cat would. When he initially saw it, the dog saw it first, and they chased after it. Lost it in the dark, circled around the buildings until they came back to where they first saw it. Dog suddenly got scared and ran him the F back to our building. He hasn't seen it since but it stuck with him. Besides that he's seen some weird shadows around that same area at night, but he saw those in Colorado too so I don't know if that's something weird that followed him cause there's lol definitely yes that follows him. But this cryptid is weird sounding. Basically the way he describes it makes me think of a rake but tinier and not standing upright.
Last summer, my boyfriend and I were camping in the Washita Forest, off the Winona Scenic Route. We drove through a gorgeous spillway to a creek site where we had set up our camp and were laying in the hammock for the night. Next thing I know our dog is growling this deep growl I'd never heard her make so it caught my attention. I look in the direction she's growling in and I see this weird humanoid figure just casually walking in the woods about 10-20 feet away from us. It's a light gray, maybe white color, 7-ish feet tall, very skinny, and has an abnormally large head. Our dog barks and catches its attention, it stops for a good 20 seconds, looks at us, then carries on its way. Needless to say, we immediately packed everything up and left. We hadn't taken anything recreational that night, though I sort of wish we had now. I truly don't know what I saw, but I'm so curious if we were the only ones to see I've ever seen anything like that in that area. In the early 1990s, Bob drove up the M62 to Manchester, where he was due to perform a comedy routine as part of a cabaret show. As usual, Bob's performance was very warmly received by the audience, and, in appreciation, he decided to go back on stage for a further 20 minutes. While he was performing his additional material, he noticed a beautiful-looking woman of about 25 or 30 years of age, sitting at a table. She was smiling at Bob, and she reminded him of the 70s film actress, Farrah Fawcett Majors. After he had finished his comedy act and had basked in the audience's enthusiastic applause, Bob went backstage and changed, then the manager of the club escorted him to a specially reserved table for a meal and a drink. Just before the next performer took to the stage, Bob made his way over to the table where the woman was sitting alone, and asked her if she would care to join him. The woman smiled, and accepted without any hesitation. She was very tall and looked even more attractive at closer quarters. She had sapphire blue eyes, and long blonde hair. In a soft voice, she said, My name's Danielle. Her accent was now a local one, but was difficult to place. Bob ordered champagne and was soon flirting with Danielle. The woman, however, refused the champagne and preferred to sip mineral water. There was a stay behind at the club, and it was not long before Bob and Danielle were dancing slowly, tightly embracing each other. He learned that the reason Danielle was on her own was that her boyfriend had arranged to meet her at the club, but had not turned up for some reason. She told him that she lived in St. Helens, and Bob said that, as she had not been drinking, she could drive him home to Merseyside in his car. Danielle was not keen and instead preferred that Bob stay overnight at her home until he was fit enough to drive in the morning. At 3 a.m., Bob and Danielle left the club in Manchester and walked through the chilly night air towards the club car park. Danielle shivered in her sleeveless top, so Bob gave her his leather jacket. Danielle had to strap Bob's seatbelt on for him because he was so intoxicated. Minutes later, the couple embarked on the return journey down the M62. During the journey, Bob fumbled for the controls of the car radio, but Danielle's hand intercepted his, and so, the couple sat in silence as the car sped along the motorway. Suddenly stirring from his alcohol-induced doze, Bob turned to look at Danielle and saw something that still gives him nightmares to this day. The girl's beautiful features had contorted into what can only be described as a demonic scowl. Her head swiveled towards him and her eyes turned blood-red, and her mouth opened wide twice as wide as a normal mouth to reveal a fearsome array of pointed teeth. The comedian instantly became sober, but felt faint and breathless with the shock. 
The girl sitting in the driving seat of his car must be some sort of supernatural entity and was driving him goodness knows where. As if it was able to read his mind, the thing in the driving seat screamed with manic laughter and zigzagged between the lanes of the motorway. Bob was not a religious man, but he suddenly found himself imploring, Jesus, please save me. The car screeched into a 180-degree turn and slid off the hard shoulder onto a slip road, then veered into a ditch. Bob opened the door and tried to get out, but in his blind panic, he forgot to unclick his seatbelt. He cried out desperately for help and looked back in terror at the seat beside him, it was empty, except for his leather jacket. There was no trace of the fiend who had been masquerading as a woman. The police found Bob wandering along the hard shoulder of the M62, and he gabbled out his bizarre tale, but was not believed. The police checked the club, and the management confirmed that Bob had left with a woman and that she had driven him home. Not one person at the club had any idea who Danielle was. Bob was badly shaken by the spine-chilling incident, and has never appeared at the Manchester Club since. Last summer I got a job as a custodian at my former school. Having been established in the 1800s, the current building having been built in roughly the 1910s you see some strange things working at night, and even early morning. Within my first week, I spotted a shadow with white eyes, hovering in the corner above the band room. I nicknamed him the Watcher because you can occasionally feel him in the room watching you. He does not like to be spotted though. When I caught sight of him that day I could feel that he was not happy about it, so I of course walked away. I have other paranormal and similar stories working where I do, including shadows roaming the halls at night, orbs of light, and others that need background to explain. In late spring I went for an overnight hike up Icehouse Canyon on Mount Baldy, east of Los Angeles, with my girlfriend. We set up camp a few miles in and a snowstorm hit that night, and it just kept snowing for two days and nights. We weren't prepared at all for snow, so we decided to wait it out in the small two-person tent for two extra days and nights. It ended up dropping a little under four feet of snow and the trail was just gone, so we packed it up and started wandering down the mountain. It was slow going and rough because we didn't bring enough warm clothing and were soaked to the bone. About two miles down we made it to the canyon floor and started following the creek, but then we noticed mountain lion tracks crossing the trail in the freshly fallen snow. We had about three miles to go so kept moving. The whole way down we kept seeing those mountain lion tracks crossing back and forth across the trail, but never saw the beast. We knew it was watching us. It was scary as hell. We made it back to the car and were met by a ranger, our car had been the only one in the lot for the last couple of days and they were growing concerned, who confirmed there was indeed a mountain lion in the area. Ah, the sweet bliss of stripping down and warming up in that car. I'll never forget that little overnight trip. It was March 4th, around 7.7.30pm, driving home in South Central Iowa. Going eastward. I saw a light not unlike a cell phone tower but of a more orange, scarlet color, unlike any cell tower. In confusion and mild unsettlement, my mother and I watched it move and slowly flew away. As we further went to its direction, we stopped at a gas station for a quick bite to eat. And as we left we noticed something abnormal. Low-laying fog and a scent like burning metal. 
As we left and got into our car and began to further drive home, the smell of once burning metal morphed into a vile, sulfuric smell. And then quickly changes to a pungent, mold-like scent that made our nostrils, eyes, and lungs itch and burn. So much we ended up wearing face masks in the car. And for an hour or two after, we faced lightheadedness and muscle fatigue. At first we suspected a manufacturing plant was having difficulties, but two weeks after, no new information has shown up. Just a coincidence or something more. One night I was out walking my dog, that night it was only me and my brother at the house for the record. Of course it being night I carry an airsoft pistol, Walther PPQ, on me just in case like that's going to do anything. So it's about seven-ish minutes in when we hear a wop wop noise it doesn't sound like no dog or human or any animal for that matter. As soon as we heard this we ran inside of course the our dog follows we lock all door and load our BB guns and hide in my brother's room wondering what just happened we didn't tell our mom as we thought she would have thought we were crazy. This encounter happened a few months ago rewind about a week and a half prior to now my mom heard the same noise and said did you hear that in the bamboo, no I live in Ohio in a suburb, we told her what we heard we haven't heard it since I'll keep you all updated on this. I went on vacation with my aunt and uncle in the early 90s. Probably 91 or 92. I was 11 or 12. They had no kids and could sometimes drink too much and be unpleasant. They drove a big fifth wheel type RV and would park it for a few days at a time at various campsites. One night, while in rural Texas, we parked and they got into a very unpleasant argument and I decided to run away. In my child's mindset, more likely I decided to get their attention and scare them into halting their fight, I took my backpack, some sodas, a flashlight and chips. It was probably 10 or 11 PM and it was a very hot night and there was a very bright moon out. I started to wander off into the woods and followed an old looking wire fence that was probably 6 or 8 feet tall. I must have walked for 30 or 45 minutes and I came to a clearing. I slipped under the fence where the ground had eroded and walked probably a good two miles, three kilometers, along the tree lane that bordered the clearing. There were occasional concrete structures that looked like they were from the 50s or 60s. I went into the largest one and the main room, which was three-fourth of the structure, was perhaps 20 feet by 30 feet with no windows and empty except for some rusted out chairs and what looked like elevator doors against the far wall, where you would expect an entrance to the other section of the building. In the opposite corner was a hatch, with a metal ladder protruding. I tried to open the elevator looking doors, but they wouldn't pry open or I wasn't strong enough. So, I put on backpack and decided I would climb down the ladder of the hatch and see if there was a basement. After about, what had to be, 100 runs, I started to get really freaked out and panicky. My backpack was on and I had no way to grab my flashlight without taking a hand off the ladder, which I was terrified to do. I felt like it was more energy for some reason to start heading back up the ladder so I just kept slowly shuffling down, letting gravity do most of the work. I decided after what had to be another 100 runs that I had made a huge mistake and started crying. I didn't feel like I'd ever make it back up. I kept going down and down and down. In my mind I thought if I could somehow reach the bottom that I'd be able to rest, drink a soda and then make it back up. After what seemed like 45 minutes or maybe longer my feet hit the ground. I got out my light and shined it around. I could see similar elevator doors like from above that matched the location of the others. 
However, opposite those was a curved tunnel that was lined with some sort of ceramic-looking tile that felt rough like stone. I shined by light down it and the distance swallowed it up. What was weird is that it smelled very much like the ocean and there was a very cool breeze and sort of an electric hum like your neighbor's central AC unit running in the quiet of the night. I rested for maybe 15 minutes, too terrified to go down that tunnel until I felt refreshed enough to climb back up the ladder. I tried to count the runs but lost count at about 50 when I heard feet shuffling below me and could see the hole beneath my feet illuminate with light. Through the wall I could hear what had to be that elevator starting to ascend upwards. I have been very fortunate in my life and when I was 18 years old I went on a two-month canoeing trip through a YMCA camp. We went into northern Nunavut, Canada, Google Maps Gary Lake for a good idea where this was. So my guide is in the stern of the canoe and I'm in the bow, front. It's currently drizzling, cold, and we are ready to set up camp to be done for the day. Suddenly I hear my guide make a noise between surprise and terror, it wasn't a scream, but it wasn't a normal noise. Then I feel the canoe wobble. Now I think that it's from him moving around, but when I turn around to look at him I see something that my mind wasn't ready to comprehend. It was the dorsal fin of a fish and its back. It was still mostly submerged, but there was three feet in length of fish and what seemed like a table of width. Keep in mind that this is fresh water, there are no saltwater monsters that come from the ocean up here. I look at my guide in terror, because I'm afraid it's going to numb into us again and tip us, because of the amount of gear we only had three inches of freeboard. He looks back at me and gets one of those crazy idea smiles on his face. I understand what he wants to do right away. He starts to get the fishing rod with the 30 pound test line as I find the net to help catch it. He puts a spoon on as a lure and puts the line in the water and we canoe out with the line dragging a little bit behind us. We wait for about two minutes and we get a bite. It was a small fish, for up there lol, it was about 10 pounds and 20-ish inches. He reels it in and I try to get it in the net. Except I F up and it swims away real fast. So my guide is fighting this fish to get it back when the big ass fish comes along and eats the fish we've been trying to get off the line. Now by the transitive property of the small fish we caught being inside the big fish we have the big fish on the line. So it should be an easy peasy just reel it in right? Nope. That fish swims away at a leisurely pace, and it drags us with it. Our canoe that weighs about 900 pounds with us inside it is being dragged along by this fish. I start freaking out because, you know, we messed with something in its domain and it has more power than we do. So I ask, what do we do, and my guide just says, paddle hard, white water strokes. So I paddle hard, and my guide steers us to the nearest shoreline. After a very difficult paddle, we get there and hop out. My guy fights the fish for about 10 minutes to tire it out while we come up with a plan. I stand out in the water, freezing my ass off but standing still so I appear to just be a big rock to the fish. Once the fish seems to be sufficiently tired my guide slowly reeled it in near me. It drifts up to me and I bear hug it out of the water. Now allow me to explain the dimensions of this fish. It was longer than my leg, about 4 feet, and it had a circumference of about a circular human chest. As I bear hug it was realized that I was not ready for this big of a fish. I will underestimate, I actually am, this is an old man fishing story, and say it weighed 40 to 45 pounds. So I get it partly in the air and the fish wriggles. 
That wriggle almost put me in the water and allowed the fish to go free. My guide panics and tries to reel the fish in. Instead of that, he ripped the smaller fish out of its stomach. The monster fish, oh for those curious I think it was a lake trout, gets away and the small fish is partly digested. The whole experience was so spooky to me because I realized how easily nature will dwarf human strength. I understood more what lurks in the waters, and I was terrified that there were probably fish that ate the big fish just like the big fish ate the smaller fish. I have more stories like this from that trip, but I think that one freaked me out the most. I was a student in Montana a few years back and went camping with some newfound friends up in Hyalite. Later that night, we're all chilling by the van when we hear a owl across the water. It sounded almost human, but we were unsure. It was the weekend and there were a bunch of other college kids out and about in more popular spots, like where the sound was coming from. We had also heard howling from a party a few campsites up earlier that night. Thinking it's probably human, my drunken dumbass howls back. I promptly get a UP sort of howl, and now my groups of friends and I are like I are talking to a coyote from across the lake. Another friend thinks it's still the party from earlier. So we grab the binoculars and I begrudgingly muster up a owl one more time. That's when I get loudest, most beautiful owl I've ever heard thrown back at me. Everyone around the water goes quiet. Even the camp down the road can't be heard. After maybe a minute of silence a chorus of howls starts going off across the water. It's non-stop. Loud and creepy, echoing through the night. One girl is justifiably scared and asks me to make it stop. We argue back and forth and finally the group decides I should howl back and see if they quit. I really don't want to. I vote we stay quiet, stay near the van, and keep the campfire going. This other guy in the group tries howling back for me despite me telling him not to. It makes no difference. At this point I want to lock myself in the van. The driver tells me he'll unlock the car if I just howl back one more time. So I take a deep breath, and I howl. The howling stops for maybe a second. Then it goes off again. At first it sounds like they were moving away from us. Until the sounds got louder and we realized they were going around the water and probably towards us. By this point I had already moved my shit and everyone's food back into the van and was pissed. I wanted to go. No one else did. Eventually everyone got spooked by the incoming howls, and one by one they moved their sleeping bags into the van with me. Eventually they got pretty close, we were listening to them for about 15 minutes, and then they stopped. At that point we could tell they were most definitely on our side of the lake, somewhere in the woods. A guy we were with swears he saw a wolf, but I don't know. I didn't see shit. And we didn't hear anything for the rest of the night. Every year me and some buddies go into the mountains for a week of camping, hunting, and riding dirt bikes. We stay in my family cabin which is 20 miles from the nearest city and anywhere really. One of the nights we decide to all ride up to a meadow we found on a previous ride and camp there under the stars. Now this meadow is off the beaten path. The road getting there is blocked by a fallen tree so we know no hunters or other people can even go past this section. We ride around and get to the campsite a few miles down the road. After starting a fire and arranging our beds we are all laying under all the stars and just looking up at the beautiful night sky.
We see a few satellites and shooting stars and after an hour or so it gets quieter as we start to just look up and about to fall asleep. Then all of a sudden a huge object comes floating across the sky just above the tall redwoods. I was like guys WTF is that? We are all just staring up as this plane comes flying over, but it looked like a stealth fighter jet and it was completely silent. Super freaky because of how close it was to the tops of the trees and how big it was since it was that close. Also it flew directly over us. Next morning to add to the story we ended up camping on a bear trail. Lots of poop and you could tell there was a trail worn through the woods. Luckily he didn't find a bunch of human burritos in the middle of his path at 2am. In 1991 I had moved to the Oxford Hills region of Maine and began exploring the forest. I would kill a day exploring. Make your way to a stream or a snowmobile trail and find your way back to civilization. One day I got into an area that was pretty far off. I had to cross a waist-deep river and a couple small creeks before coming upon this ridge leading up to a flat-topped hill covered with tall trees. My goal was to get a top and see if I could spot a way out better than how I got in. Atop the hill I saw something amongst the trees and thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. I walked right up to it. It was a 1980s school bus in pretty damn good condition. The trees boxing it in were 40 or so feet tall birch trees. There were no obvious paths it could have driven on to get there. So, seeing it was less than 10 years old, I can only assume someone stole it when it was new, and maybe a path and washed out in the years since. Every year for the past five year Eve gone camping in Ludington, Michigan with my grandparents. At the state park, there is a trail where you can hike out to the lighthouses. On this trail there is a campsite with no running water, electricity, or any way to contact the campsite without hiking maybe one half a mile. It was for experienced campers and hikers. On this particular trip we decided we were going to go all in and camp at that other campsite, we went late in the season so nobody else would be there. When we go there we were super excited and brought way too much stuff, it took us almost an hour to hike a one half mile, but, we made the trek without a hitch. It was just me and my grandparents, nobody else was there and we happily spread our stuff out and prepared for a fun night of singing and telling stories by the fire. We did have a fun night but, when we finished taking care of everything and decided to go to bed we couldn't find the key to lock up our cooler full of food. We dismissed it and stupidly left the cooler outside with stuff stacked on top of it thinking that it would be enough to hold back any animal that may come across it. During the night multiple times I heard people talking I could never quite make out what they were saying but I was so sure I heard it and I swear I saw a hand press on our tent. I jumped straight into my grandma's sleeping bag after that, the next morning on one of our chairs we found the key, with a flower poke trough the loop. No food was missing except a loaf of bread and the boxes stacked on the cooler exactly how we had left them. We were thoroughly perplexed and spent the next night in the bed of our truck. I don't know what happened. It might have been an animal of some kind or we may have been robbed by lost hikers, but I to this day am freaked out by what happened and I can't hike the trail without feeling uneasy. It all started when I and my friends started our nightly weekend ghost hunt in the summer of 2001. We gassed up the car stocked up on smokes and Mountain Dew and head off on the back roads of a small town named Canton, Illinois. 
We had been driving for about seven hours just messing around and it was getting to be light outside. We were driving around this plot of land owned by the state and used for what I think is waste disposal in old abandoned strip mines. The area is very well guarded and secure. All one can do mainly is drive around the perimeter of the land via old access roads. I was driving and she was in the passenger seat. It was about 6am with plenty of light when out of the corner of my eye I caught this huge black mass. I stopped the car, pulled over, and got out quick for about what seemed like forever, and only 20 seconds or so we saw these enormous black birds flying down onto the ground. The ground was elevated here and there, so we could not see them land, however, we estimated that they were at least 15 or more feet in wingspan. We figure maybe ultralight, those not familiar are large prop driving gliders that can hold no more than one man, and fly pretty low. Then we realized they were far too low to the secured land. We guessed then cranes or vultures, which wingspans spread a good distance. Still, these were huge, like the size of a glider. We drove around for like two hours trying to find higher ground to view their landing and no such luck, the place is tight with gates so we couldn't gain access. All I can say is my description of them. Wingspan 15 to 20 feet easily. All black feathers and gliding in for a landing. They appear to resemble very unusually large crows. About four years ago my family and I were at Cook's Forest Park in northern Pennsylvania. It's a smaller park west of the much larger Allegheny National Forest. Small very clean been going there since I can remember every summer. My father has gone there once a year since he was young and my grandfather and so on. Never has my family ever told me a spooky story of the forest. I never felt afraid or even spooked even in the dead of night. There was wildlife such as coyotes and bears to beware of, but I was never scared of them. Then one day while we were up there for our week trip my father, younger sister and I went hiking down river trail. Hence its name it's a very long trail that follows the Clarion River. The kicker is that the only access to the trail is a massive downhill, which means it's a climb back up. We were down there fishing along the bank when we heard thunder rolling in. But without warning a solid downpour. So we packed up, already soaked, and made our way up the massive hill. Now here is the weird part while we making our way up the hill to our right was this massive fire. But not like a tree on fire just like a solid flame about 6 feet high just burning. We all stopped dead in our tracks, it just didn't make sense in the pouring rain to have this huge flame burning on what seemed like nothing. It just made the back of my neck's hair stand on end. Fire is such a human act in my mind and here we are in the middle of the woods alone in a downpour with this huge unnatural flame burning. So we did what anyone would do and made tracks up the hill to our truck. To this day I have no idea how that happened. My only theory is that there are several natural gas lines that go through the park so maybe a type of leak ignited? It's anyone's guess but definitely weird. I was visiting my aunt in northeast Illinois, just north of Chicago, in the summer of 2002. We were outside for a noon barbecue. My cousin Eddie, age 9, runs over to my aunt yelling that the bird's back. So we all look over to where the kid's pointing and not even 100 feet away and about 50 feet up was this huge freaking bird. My mom is afraid of anything with more than two legs so she starts totally freaking out, the funniest thing I've ever seen. 
so she grabs the kids and runs inside faster than if the devil was on her tail. My stepdad and uncle both have video cameras pointed at it. Now my uncle Richie works as a cameraman at one of the local news stations over there so he knows how to use a camera. My stepdad, unfortunately, doesn't in the video that we took home is shaky and blurred most of the time. This bird was big. I talking 15-20 feet freaking wings. It circled a couple of times and then headed east at 1.14 p.m. I have the exact time because every few seconds I'd, in shorthand, write down the time and the activity. I'm a part-time ghost investigator here in Southern California and very good about writing things down very quickly. It was black with brown feather tips. Its beak fit the body and looked kind of like a cross between a crow and a hawk. Keep in mind that I'm 5 feet 3 looking out 100 feet and up at 50-60 feet. This was way cooler than any ghost I've seen yet. Well, as I said, my investigator instincts took over and while I was asking a whole bunch of normally reserved for ghosts questions I found out that the bird showed up at the aunt and uncle's ranch at least once a month. This is so cool, I only wish my uncle would make me a copy of his tape so I could show you guys. This was a few years ago in my old house, around Halloween. One day I, 43 male, was home alone in my house. I have a wife, three kids, and a dog. I'm in my basement cutting wood and working, when all of a sudden I hear thumping on the ceiling above me, first level floor. It's rhythmic and almost perfectly in beat. I'm a handyman and do a lot of my own fixing and know the usual sound houses make. This was not usual. I start to follow the thumping around the first floor. It's as if someone, thing, is walking around. I call out my wife's name, no answer, my kids, no answer. Just soft moaning, that is getting louder, with the thumps. My dog is with me in the basement and following the sound with me with his tail straight up. Completely silent. This was weird because I have a loud, jumpy dog. I then slowly follow the thumping to the steps, and I hear a weak old woman's voice calling for Jimmy, not my name, but my name does start with H.A., over and over. Ignoring my hello as she keeps walking around my first floor, calling out, moaning, thumping. I grab my dog by the collar and leave out the basement door and walk around the outside of my house. Worth noting I've had a lot of weird supernatural things happen in my life, especially around Halloween, but could feel this was different. Very different. I go up to the street and there is a younger couple calling out for someone, let's say Nancy for the sake of this. I go up to them and say, are you Jimmy? The young guy looks at me and simultaneous relief and confusion crossed his face. He tells me that's his dad's name but he passed years ago. Turns out Nancy was his mom with some kind of mental issue. She snuck out of their house up the road. Her family lived in my house before we did, didn't know that and she was having some kind of episode. Went looking for her husband in her home. Oh, also she has a wooden leg. Don't know the story, but that was the thumping. We got her home safely and I also double locked my doors. From that point on. <coughs> story 1. Myself and three other guys were sitting in camp just after the holidays getting stuff set up for the crew to come in the next week. The camp was in the middle of nowhere in the inlets of the west coast of British Columbia. Phillips armed to be exact. 
Anyways all of us were in the camp house just finished dinner and playing some crib having drinks. All of a sudden we hear the door of the camp house close and a male voice say hello. All of us heard it spooked as hell we all investigate. Find no trace of anyone in the camp. The only way in was by boat or plane. Second story. Not mine heard from a few old timers I've worked with. Back in the 80s they were logging an old growth site on Indian land. One mechanic found an old Indian grave in a hollowed out cedar. Decided to take the skull and bring it back to the shop. Everyone told him to bring it back to where he found it, which he did. A few days later he was working underneath a jacked up fat truck and the jacks let go and crushed him dead. I've been into lots of Indian areas on the coast and have had the hairs on my neck stand up multiple times. Hiked into a lake one time and had boulders being thrown into a lake and howling going on. We got the F out of there pretty quick. I've read a few native folklore books. About the coast and they can't be wrong with what I've seen and heard through the years. My son was riding a four-wheeler in the mountains. While riding up a steep trail, he came across a very strong odor, a cross between a bear and a skunk, but much more obnoxious. Unlike that of a bear or a dead carcass. We are avid, knowledgeable hunters aware of our environment and the habits and smells of animals. When something is very different and out of the ordinary, we take note of it. The odor was gone on his return trip down the trail, a steep road to a tower. He said the odor, being so strong and obnoxious, made him feel a little scared, knowing that it wasn't the usual and that we are aware of the existence of such creatures as Bigfoot, though having not seen one. The weather was cool and a nice riding day. It was sometime early spring or summer, possibly around April, and in a mountainous area a few roads but where there was a rocky road going up to a lookout tower. It was steep terrain and tall timber, and the road is not used except by those using the tower. <laughs> 